Welcome to the Hydric and Struggles Leadership Podcast. Hydric is the premier global provider of senior level executive search and leadership consulting services. Diversity and inclusion, leading through tumultuous times, and building thriving teams and organizations are among the core issues we talk with leaders about every day, including in our podcasts. Thank you for joining the conversation. Hello, everyone. Uh, I'm Chiara Berlendi, Principal at Hydric and Struggles Milan office, focusing on the fashion, luxury and design industries. And I'm also a member of the consumer market practice. In today's podcast, I'm talking to Matteo De Rosa, CEO of the Métier d'Art division at LVMH, the business unit of the luxury giant dedicated to the procurement of raw materials and the transmission and preservation of the brand standards and knowledge processes. Matteo joined LVMH as CEO of Métier des Arts in October 2021. Previously, he was president of the Belgian fashion house Dries van Noten, owned by the Spanish group Pooch. Prior to this, Matteo was CEO of the Chinese-Canadian ready-to-wear brand Ports, 1961, and earlier in his career, he co-founded the leather goods brand Sarti. Matteo, so welcome and thank you for taking the time to be with us today. Thank you, Chiara, and uh, for having me and uh, very glad to be having this conversation with you. Matteo, how would you sum up what it is like to be a CEO today and how is the CEO role evolving in your opinion? So I can start with a, with a kind of a joke, but which is not really, but being a CEO today means being almost a psychologist. You know, <laughs> we have a great uh, diverse team and in my previous experience you need to have a great deal of understanding a great deal of uh, patience on results managing and create teams that are reflecting today's society which is not always uh, easy have a great uh, entrepreneurship and uh, leadership skill in the way that um, a CEO today, yes, is a manager, but is the face of a company, is really a leader. He needs to be endowed, own his, uh, his team, his, uh, his role, set the key milestone and uh, set the way and take or be able to take a ponderate risk. Meanwhile, uh, coordinating the team to go uh, ahead. It's a very well-rounded role based uh, every day on people. And uh, people are our best asset. We call it uh, not anymore human resources, but I call it really human capital. Uh, what uh, people can do, if giving chances to people to flourish. So this is not your first CEO role, right? You have covered that already uh, in different instances. And I was wondering if in those last uh, two years, uh, you have observed certain leadership skills or capabilities that are now truly needed, that were not perhaps as important a few years ago? I cannot really compare that much because uh, as you see in my career, I always worked uh, not in a constant, um, let's say, region of the world. So I, I, I went from, uh, from Italy in my early age, being an entrepreneur, to China, mainland China, as one of the few experts in a real uh, Chinese company, not in European division of company. And then to go back to, to Europe in Belgium and, and now here. So um, already the complexity of managing cultures and understand them uh, made it um, a completely different roles, you know, a completely different uh, population. So 
Um, I can't really reply if some uh, skills were needed now compared to before because they are completely different role for me as well personally. Um, I can say that uh, in, in Asia, what really, or I can say that actually the trade union in between all of these roles is really how we make our team perform at best, how we give them the tools and how we give them the motivation of strive in the roles. And on this one also is the biggest difference because every culture really have key Uh, elements that are um, unique. Uh, in China is, for instance, the way of life of the people, the stage in life that they are, if they have a family, if they don't have family, if they have kids, what, what motivates them, what, uh, what are the underlining structure of a culture that are completely different from, uh, from Europe. And in Europe, they're completely different in Belgium and here, for instance. Uh, you know, in, the, in my previous role at Dries, I had a team that was quite cohesive uh, in Belgium compared to where I'm here seated, which I have a fully diverse team with a fully diverse basket of companies of which only one is in France or the other international from US to Australia. And every day we have teams synergize and communicate together. So the nuances are very Uh, sophisticated, they, they, they require a lot of time and that's why I say uh, patience, understanding, um, recognizing the difference, enhance this difference and place them in a system where there is no contradiction, but actually they, in their contradiction, they create added value all the time. And uh, that's why for me, the, the way of being a, a, a leader A, a bridge in between this culture, a, a visionary uh, in the way of setting the bar high and uh, letting uh, and motivate them, uh, make them understand what it is, but letting them operate in their own way to arrive to these goals, it's very important. It's basically an orchestra director, let's say, right now, you know, where you have a lot of different instruments, completely different between them but you need to make them sound a perfect melody. What you said, right? Understanding the different, the different capabilities that everyone brings and, and, and enhancing them. I think personally, this is a very difficult thing to do. It requires a lot of time. It requires a lot of one-to-one uh, -one interactions and it requires a lot of personal uh, involvement. But this is the nature of my job. And um, we have uh, more than 20 companies all over the world. You know, I have almost daily interaction with each of our founders or each of our CEOs, plus daily interaction with my team here. It, that's why I said uh, being a, a psychologist, but also being a, a someone that motivates, give them the keys, give them the, the goals, give them a, a common ground of understanding is really, really important. Do you think that to be a psychologist for your company and organization, you need first you as a CEO to have done a, a self-introspective work on yourself? I did uh, several times, three times in my career. Every time I, I change position. So after my brand, after ports, after Dries, I did uh, for six months a, a path with, with a coach in order to understand, put, put a block, let's say, a, a, a stop mark in life and move, and move ahead. If you had the chance to speak to a younger Matteo De Rosa and give him uh, advice, what would be the three pieces of advice? 
you know, every, myself when I was younger, but I think it's natural for everyone, uh, when they take on for the first time is your role in the younger age, they really want to show that they, they make it, you know, and they want to show short-term results sometimes, they want to show a mark very fast. I, myself, as an entrepreneur and a CEO, it's, a, uh, you know, time, uh, fast pace is in the nature of it, you know, because if you are a business uh, developer, if you want to go for an opportunity, you have to be fast. Sometimes one of the advice that I would give myself and I keep giving myself every day is to be A, more patience and B, slow down. Uh, that really, it's go hand in hand sometimes with the self-introspection or, or coaching, etc. But it's really important that, yes, you, you achieve some goals, but also you take time to, to settle and to, to, under, and to really understand uh, what you're touching, why you're touching and how you do it. So this is a, maybe sometimes a, an advice that I would give uh, uh, to myself. And Matteo, do you think that the learnings you're sharing with us today were the result of the fact that you worked Uh, for company of different ownership structures. So at the beginning, when I was making an introduction of yourself, I shared the fact that you were an entrepreneur. So you worked for a founder-led company, but you also worked for a family-owned uh, and designer-led brand. And today you're working for a listed company, LVMH, as a larger entity, which is also still sort of family-owned. So How do you think uh, working for companies of different ownership structure uh, prepared you or built your skill set as a CEO today? So I think I can do, uh, in all honesty, I can do today what I do at my age because I did my biggest training in being an entrepreneur. When you are an entrepreneur, when you risk on yourself, you really understand that whatever it touch, you touch as an implication, it has an implication on you. I decided to end my experience as an entrepreneur because, the, for instance, the, the financial pressure, I don't come from a wealthy family background, and the financial pressure of the exposure was, was too great. Uh, so, luckily enough, I found someone who could help, and uh, I ended that, um, that, uh, that experience. But uh, really, uh, from uh, doing the parcel, from being on the ground, uh, cutting leathers, from being with the maker of uh, creating the bag, uh, and then in the, uh, seated on the opposite side of the president of Isetan uh, in Japan, to uh, being in front of a bank to ask for loans, you really understand that there's a repercussion. And that made me uh, aware of how a company really fully works. In uh, All the other companies that they had, of course, they have different structure, different ownership structure, but at the end of the day, there is, there is always a family, even today. Uh, and uh, in that way, I could relate uh, with the founders. I could relate uh, even now in my role with the founders of the company that we acquire. And that gave me a very big advantage compared to, to, to some of my peers. So Yes, it, it, it all comes down uh, sometimes to that experience. The second part, it comes down to the fact that I worked in very different backgrounds, as I said before, in very different cultures. And being uh, able to adapt locally for almost eight years at, in China to a year and a half at Greece to, to here today and the experience of me before shows and requires a lot of uh, your selfless sometimes also act 
because you are in a different context. You are the one to have to adapt, not the other to you. And uh, it makes you really have a position of uh, looking, understanding, absorbing as much as possible, and then bring on the table what on your knowledge can be of value, you know? And add on the, the discussion I had before in diversity, we, 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 we strive. It's true because in, in my case, it was always that, you know, I was bringing on the table my piece that was different from the one or the other, but comprehending how the two could work together, they work exponentially. Uh, what we say today is one plus one uh, has to be three, not two. So uh, these to me are the key points that in my career help me uh, arrive where I'm today and uh, make me the next steps tomorrow. And is there, you know, when you mentioned the fact that you being an entrepreneur in the past was, although stressful and scary and not comfortable at all, uh, it allowed you then later on, uh, especially now at Métier d'Art, uh, to emphasize more with the owner of the company you were entering in. Is there any concrete example um, you can share with us maintaining privacy as to... Um, how you were able to emphasize in a way that, you know, some of our, or your other colleague, uh, because not all CEO are previous entrepreneur, would have not been able to, maybe. Well, I give you one that is very, is, is very simple, but is indicative of, uh, of, of, of this relation. You know, some, some CEOs or, or stress a lot the importance of financial results, uh, which is a, a given. But without understanding that some financial results are actually the fruit of some actions. In my um, uh, dialogues, in my exchange with, with the founders, the first thing on which we talk is never the indicators of a company. It's actually an industrial plan or what we are doing together. What are the actions? What are the products? What are the systems? What are the operations? What This creates a financial output. And this is where the conversation is based. If this is right, the financial output will be for sure right. So the change of paradigm, let's say, the connection of what also they know the best, because when you are an entrepreneur, you leave your product, you're passionate about your companies. If you produce leather, you're passionate and you wake up at 6 a.m. every day to check the truck that arrives with the leather and you make it together with your artisan. When you are on the field of creating a garments, you are there with your artisan doing that. I was the same. So I perfectly understand that if something goes wrong through this chain, is the financial indicator of my profitability is of, um, you know, it, it's the one that takes a hit, not vice versa. So my first questions are always on that field. And then we go and see the rest. While, uh, you know, uh, sometimes uh, my peers do not do that. So, Matteo, let's move on Métier d'Art then. Métier d'Art was created by LVMH to protect and develop the excess of its fashion houses and also to protect and develop the excellence of their raw materials and savoir-faire. So, it plays a key role in the fashion supply chain landscape, right? Especially within LVMH. How does this role influence what Métier d'Art as a company stands for and its culture? And how does that purpose help you attract and retain talent? So first of all, Métier d'Art, as you rightly say, is um, a, an holding company created in 2015. 
uh, we do roughly 700 million euro with 5,000 people globally. We have uh, around 20 companies that goes from leather to metal to farms to uh, manufacturing to innovation. We have a, a small division in Japan that is there to preserve crafts. Our aim is to preserve, but by preserving doesn't mean keeping the company as they are. We, we are on a journey to have our companies be relevant today and tomorrow. So we want to innovate. We want to help our company understand our group. We want to have our manufacturing understand the key points and the key um, goals and the necessities of our brands in order to deliver always relevant products for today and tomorrow. On this journey, we uh, tend to uh, infuse, of course, all the topics that are of today. So traceability, transparency, circularity, sustainability, which are topics that a company that has, I don't know, maybe eight to 10 million euro turnover struggles to face by itself. You know, they're very big topics. Together, we can help and we can create systems that are completely uh, circular and uh, operative in the long run. So compared to, you know, uh, other, let's say, business model, we are really in the business of giving continuity to a company by making it relevant for the future and for tomorrow without compromising on quality and on excellence. Our aim is creating a system in which two sides of uh, the same coin, but opposite sides, talks and they see each other, they understand each other, and they optimize again in between their diversity for a common goal to create something greater. So this is really our, uh, our objective and our, and our goal. How do we attract and retain talent? We attract uh, talent because we offer a system in between that can flourish, which is not only localized. So a young artisan that can that enter or a young professional that enter our system or enter one of our company, enter a, a family of companies. He has uh, and he can fish and he can benefit of learning uh, system. So compared to being independent, a company can offer that to his talents. And that is why whenever we enter a company, we see even in the latest acquisition in, in, in Tuscany, in, in Leather, a small company that had almost an average age of 50 plus, in only nine months, we are down to 28 years old. We really attract. We attracting also by exposing the products because sometimes, you know, younger generation do not know what it is, this business. They don't know because it's not well exposed because our makers don't have the, again, the strengths, the, the, the financial resources, the means, the, the media outlets to, to tell the stories. What we do is we surface the story globally through narrative, of course, that we do, but also through the products that our brands use. So it becomes, we create even in between the system, inside the system, a sense of proudness that was a bit lacking, you know. Uh, the, the, the business of manufacturing sometimes is, is, is seen as, you know, dirty, is there, and, you know, anybody can do it, it's not very elegant. No, it's not at all. There is great professionalities, huge talents, amazing craftsmen, why don't we have to expose it? But also the self, we, we infuse in between the self the proudness of what they do, 
which is sometimes they lose it because they're very far from a consumer. They're always behind the scene, you know, they didn't even see the, the sunlight. So all of this help us attract companies to come to us and uh, uh, made us become uh, also sometimes uh, very selective, you know, because it's, it's, uh, it's a journey that requires a, a mental openings from the founder to say, okay, I do this today very well, but I need to question myself if I will be able to do that so well tomorrow in the same condition. So being willing to change, being willing to do a path together, which is sometimes uh, always not easier as, as every path, it really requires a, a set of skills. And we are fortunate enough to have found in all our founders this kind of mentality, the mentality that we are the best in class today. We want to remain it tomorrow. To remain it tomorrow, we need to change. We understand the challenge. We are here together to partner with us in order to go through that path. As the CEO, on top of what you shared at the beginning, right? You said, um, I need to be the psychologist or the orchestra director. Uh, in my opinion, to be a good CEO of such an entity, I need to put a lot of investment of personal time of one-to-one. -one. You gave a lot of concrete example as, okay, in practice, this is how I do it. Is there anything else you want to add in terms of certain behaviors that you as a CEO act and show up with in the day by day, not only with your C-suite, but with the larger organization to make sure that the culture you want to foster is cascading down the organization? Uh, one practical example is that um, I give to all our teams goals. I don't question how they achieve it. As long, of course, as there are uh, sustainable practices, there are, uh, you know, um, uh, ethics and everything is included, of course. But because we have a diverse team, because we have diverse product, because the nature of each product is so different and each company is seated also in a context, in a geo-context that is completely different, it's not on me of questioning the practice. On me is to give the goal, give the key targets, you know, and make sure that everybody is comfortable enough to arrive there in a given amount of time. I never enter in deep on how they achieve it or how they want to do it. It's, I leave the complete freedom on that. And that helps you in two things. It helps you to um, feel it, own it, uh, your, your target, and be uh, foster and push this uh, change behavior, this change attitude throughout the system because everybody owns his own goal. Everybody knows the best. You are the best in class today. To be the best in class tomorrow, it's up to you to find the formula. It's for me to help, but you need to drive it. And this is, this is my role. That's why I said uh, before uh, the, 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 the metaphor with the orchestra director, because that's exactly what an orchestra director does. It doesn't go there and play the piano for, for, the, for the pianist. It tells you, okay, this is the melody, this is the time frame, this is the, the pace that I want you to go. But then you have to find it out. And this is exactly what I do with my team and with the companies. So I lied when I said this would have been the last question. There is actually one, one last question I would like to ask. Um, you know, if anyone at Métier d'Art uh, listened to this podcast, and I'm sure they will, uh, and among them there is uh, someone that aims one day to cover a uh, uh, higher in ranking role, uh, aims to be the leader of tomorrow at Métier d'Art, uh, 
uh, on top of what you already shared during this podcast. So you shared about passion, about introspection, about listening to your people. Uh, is there anything else in terms of specific leadership skills and capabilities you believe as of today will be the most important for your company, for Metidar, or maybe for LVMH as a larger group to possess to then help, uh, as a leader, help the company uh, reach its strategic goals in the next years? You need to be hungry. You need to really want to uh, uh, achieve goals. You need to be your worst critics. Uh, you need to really have clear in mind what is the mission and what you have at stake. You know, we have the wonderful opportunity to create really a new circular operation throughout the system, transparent, um, fully traceable, with uh, infused with innovation. It's a huge and beautiful opportunity we are creating now. To do that, you really need to be clear. You really need to be your worst critics. You need to be questioning yourself every day if it's going in the right direction, if it's balanced, you know, in the approach that you do. Uh, this is to me the, the biggest um, advice I could give. But luckily enough, my team is. <laughs> Matteo, thank you for making the time to speak with us today. Thank you, Chiara, for uh, having me and uh, it was a great chat. Thanks for listening to the Hydrogen Struggles Leadership Podcast. To make sure you don't miss more future shaping ideas and conversations, please subscribe to our channel on the podcast app. And if you're listening via LinkedIn, Twitter or YouTube, why not share this with your connections? Until next time.